call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 9 of Call It Friendo with myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Donica Tiernan. In this week's episode, we discuss Bong Joon-ho's Snowpiercer and the horrendous Logan's Run, which I really cannot recommend watching at all, but we do talk about it. And uh, you don't really need to watch it, just listen to us talk about it. Uh, as always, check out justwatch.com for streaming and rental options in your territory. Enjoy! Have you had a good week? Did you watch loads of uh, scary movies? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I watched Hocus Pocus and about two-thirds of Nicholas Rogue's The Witches. Are you joking? I'm not joking. I it was with uh, two of my colleagues, so we watched, um, we watched Hocus Pocus, yeah. and then I stayed for most of The Witches, but I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't handle the whole thing. I'd seen it before. It's a good film still. I, can't, I think it holds up. The, yeah, it's got some, but, it's, got, uh, it's got some real scary scenes at the start with the, when it, she's telling the witch stories. Yeah, I thought those are the best bits. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. But I, I also saw that that's been remade. Like, I believe it's a shot for shot remake as well. Really? And that's what I read. I read it was shot for shot. I'm not sure, but it looks. Well, uh, Robert like Zemeckis a bad did it. Choice. Um, people are giving out uh, that, oh yeah, he, he, so he changed it to an African-American grandkid, and it's set in Alabama yes. in the 60s. Yes. But Robert Zemeckis decides to just not bring up uh, racism, which people are giving out about a little bit, which I see their point. Yes, bro. But I'm also like, I mean... It's all about witches. It's a story about witches. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a strange one, because I have heard various film critics uh, give out about this. And they're, they're kind of saying, uh, well, why make the kid an African-American in the 60s in Alabama at all if you're not going bring to bring it up? And I, you're just listening going, I can picture you making the exact same point in an exact opposite direction. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, well, I'm saying, like, why is it? Why is this all focused on race? No, if it was like a little white kid, they'd be like, "Oh, is it a oh, story right. of a little white kid?" I don't know. It just can't win with some people. Um, but yeah, Robert Zemeckis has had a, a an odd, an odd, and you know, enough of a quality career to probably warrant giving that a look or something. Well. It, well, I don't know. I mean, seeing as the first film that we are going to talk about today is a spiritual sequel to The Polar Express, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it does feel fitting. <laughs> uh, I watched a fucking shit. I watched a shitload of just low grade uh, horror films over the weekend. I watched. what was it? What was the pick of the bunch? Oh, definitely, without a doubt, the Slumber Party Massacre. Have you ever watched the Slumber Party Massacre? It sounds incredibly low budget. It is. Um, there is there is boobage coming out the sides. It was written. I'm listening. It was written as oh, a yeah. I see the picture as a feminist uh, parody to slasher movies. Um, mm. And then uh, this woman just took the concept and basically she kept all the comedy elements but directed it scary. So you got the basically a big kind of a precursor to Scream, I suppose, that real tongue-in-cheek horror. Mm. Like the guy's weapon of choice is a drill, and there's several shots where he's just got the drill down between his legs like a willy. 
Um, right. You've got that real final girl trope where the girl who decides not to go to the slumber party and stays home babysitting her little sister, she cuts his drill willy in half with like a machete. No. Uh, but I mean, it's just like, I don't know. You know what you're in for with a, with a good slasher movie. And I had real fun with that one. I also watched all the new, well, the new Blumhouse ones on Amazon, but that was the pick of the bunch. Which ones? Oh, which, oh, are, which are the Blumhouses? Uh, I watched The Lie, Evil Eye, um, Black Box, and the other one. What's the other one? Oh, Nocturne. And I also watched His House. So I got five in over the weekend. And I haven't seen any of the. I see them like advertised mm. to come up uh, in various places. Yeah, that but... one's a, a four films they dropped together. Welcome to the Blumhouse. In my mm-hmm. uh, opinion, the best one was, of those four was The Lie. Because uh, it's just very, very dark. But uh, like, uh, you, if you watch enough horror films and you know these are being directed by horror fans, you're watching going, yeah. I'm laughing. And I know the director wants me to be laughing right now. But like to the casual observer, they're going, why are you laughing? Uh, like, uh, <laughs> and uh, the scars guard from uh, Jarhead is in it and he's really good. Uh, I like him in anything. Uh, what's which one's that which? Alexander no Alexander Skarsgård no. is the one who beats Nicole Kidman in uh, Big Little Lies I, I think watched. I haven't watched one, one of the Skar- Alex, come on Alexander Skarsgård is uh, Brad what's the character's name from Generation Kill his first name is Brad but I can't remember his surname uh, that's, it, that's who Alexander Skarsgård is to me it's been too long since I've watched Generation Kill and we talked about it last week we talked about Fru- I know, Fruity I know. Rudy I, I, I've had it on Indeed. my mind I made a note to watch it again because I've recently actually finished um, The Deuce, which I thought was fantastic. Really, really. Col- Colbert, that's his name, Brad Colbert. Iceman, Brad Iceman Colbert. But what's the scariest guard I'm thinking of? He's, all, he's in, uh, I, I can't, oh, I can't I think know. of what he's in Wait, right now. What was it, in Jarhead? I, again, I still haven't watched Jarhead. That's another, that's, it's on my list. It's in my backlog. Oh, well, you'll have to bring it up someday. Some Skarsgård, um, it Oh, no, all oh, right, okay, he's not of the... That's not Skarsgård, that's Peter Sarsgård. Ah, <laughs> shit. Oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one, he's like low-rent John Malkovich, Peter Sarsgård. I like him! Yeah, I mean, but he is, he's, he's 100% doing, doing Malkovich. I think he's yeah. played John Malkovich's son as well in something. I seem to recall. That's, probably... that's the problem of the Skarsgård, Sarsgård. He's married to Maggie Gyllenhaal. Not bad. Peter Sarsgaard. Maybe, did he meet her through Jake on the set of Jarhead? <laughs> I'm going to add that to his Wikipedia, Wikipedia bio if it's not there. Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that is a fact. Yes, it's definitely a fact. Um, yeah. yeah. No, he was, in a, he was in an off... No, no, he must have known her. I don't know. I'm not even going to start yes. guessing how they met. Um, does uh, have you ever seen the Maggie Gyllenhaal uh, film The Secretary? Yeah, I thought you were going to reference Secretary. Yes, I mean, uh, I couldn't even what? say anything clever. I just came out and said, You know, the film where she, a guy wanks on her bum. Do you know what? <laughs> Go on. I haven't look, I haven't seen the whole thing, I've skipped through it to certain to get scenes. to the to the bum wanky scene. <laughs> No, I just I was in for the dialogue. I wait. I, I wanted to see. I, I went to see that in the cinema, and uh, I mm, quite honestly was, was not prepared for uh, for what I got. Um, just because when he, uh, you know, when it seems like they're going to have sex at the end, uh, and then he just wanks on her bum. I mean, that's quite a, a rug pull, I have to say. Um, not. I again, I I don't think I went that. I don't think I saw that part. 
<laughs> really? Oh, he, I never made I never made it that far. What, <laughs> I never made it to the end. <laughs> I was done. Uh, before then. Oh no! Oh no! Ah, <laughs> uh, it's, it's stuff like this that's the reason that you never even got to the red dress girl in Schindler's List, Andy. You, you, you. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna have to cut that now. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Uh, sorry about that. I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm cutting all of this now. All of this. <laughs> I'm going to start at the start. I'm okay, going to so start. So we're starting okay, now. Or else I'm going to have to chop bits of it out. I don't know. Are there, I'm getting rid of any. Or is any evidence? I'm getting rid of dodginess. Any do any any element of dodginess? Oh no. It depends. It depends. It depends how bad it goes. Uh, right. What am I? Okay. I've closed my Snowpiercer Wikipedia, so I'm going to reopen it. Oh, you'll need that. You'll not, you need that because, of course, that is the film that uh, won uh, last week, which I'm just going to dive right into if it's all good with you. Um, I trust you're get your. That is correct. Nice. I trust you're ready to be Basil Exposition for this week all over again. Well, certainly in the second film, I am. Oh, because uh, yeah, because it stars Basil. Because he's in it. Because yeah. he's got Basil Exposition. Wait, so it's I, Basil, but it doesn't. I, that always uh, kind of perturbed me when i was trying to decide why did he call him basil x position i get that it's supposed to be sex position could they have not found something closer mm. basil x position i know it's, no. he's also giving it's because he's giving but it is it it's just because yeah it, I, I get that too basically that's the only thing it's, it's no it's, connection it's, it's, to sex position and exposition and sex position no. i so so what you're saying is that i i took it to a higher level than mike myers because <laughs> yeah. i tried to i tried to double i tried to double up here i was like he's giving exposition but it's 1960s kinky spy sexy thing so it's a sex position as well you're doing that thing where uh children think adults are joking about sex when they're not they're like yeah like children are walking around and they just his name his name's got exposition in it and he's it's not just that well, he's, he's giving exposition. it is that he's giving exposition that's his whole thing basil oh, exposition it should be more it should have been more than that basil exposition uh you love a basil exposition yeah. with your narrators and so forth if if Michael York could appear in every film just doing that, just telling me what's happening, I would be delighted. Uh, Specifically if it was Michael York, we'll, he's, he's lovely. We'll give a shout out uh, very yeah. quickly, though, to the Austin Powers films because we were speaking, or um, perhaps it wasn't with you, but I was speaking with somebody recently about uh, uh, whether I would, because I've never seen either of the Bill and Ted films, and uh, I was asking, oh, really? will I bother going back? And they're saying, nah, they might have been good for 15-year-old me, but I doubt they'd be good for 33-year-old you. And yeah. I, I've experienced that before with Wayne's World. I had never seen Wayne's World for the longest time. Oh, I saw I saw Wayne's World in the cinema. I think both of them. I watched it uh, like old. probably in my late twenties, and I just yeah, 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 it was fine. It was of its time. But then, like probably, well, I can't be the judge. You'll have to be the judge because maybe you saw all of them uh, in yeah, the, in I saw their Austin time. Powers when they came out. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I watched uh, Austin Powers recently, and uh, oh my god, I laughed my ass off. I thought it was so funny. Well, I always liked the Austin Powers films, mm. even the third one, which got absolutely, it was heavily panned. Oh, yeah. I, I liked it. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, yeah, but every- it's just comedies, man. It's just, it's just, I think comedies often get a hard time of it. Uh, oh, they do. They always critically, get a kick no one, no one gives a shit if you make someone laugh. It doesn't really do anything for anyone. Yeah, it's like, I mean, okay, I can appreciate the, um, I can appreciate the, the, like, the great skill and depth with which something like when Harry Met Sally is written, and it's very funny as well, but I'm sorry, that's kind of, that is, they'll say that, like, one of the greatest comedies ever, and that's, um, 
like it is a, a wonderful um, comedy drama, but something that like like it that film would sacrifice something <clears throat> something to the altar of um, drama that a Will Ferrell film would never give up. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. Like, like, uh, like, one inch the other direction, and the romantic um, uh, plot in Anchorman would have been an actual well romantic plot instead of culminating yeah, in fair. spousal abuse. You know what I mean? But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that, like, that's why those, those um, never get their game. And like, yeah, like, I remember reading reviews of uh, Goldmember and talking about like Goldmember of this oh this new annoying character Goldmember. Oh, Goldmember was hilarious. He had a yeah, he, me too. He had a thing where he picked off bits of his skin. <laughs> Scared. <laughs> oh, ooh, that's a keeper. Oh, that's a keeper. Yeah. Uh, or like a smoking a pancake. Smoking a pancake. Yeah. Classic lines. These, these these were these were classic lines back in two thousand and two. Yeah. These were these sustained our society in two thousand and two. And what are kids laughing at these days? What's funny these days? Do you actually oh, know the answer some, to that someone question? Someone dancing on TikTok. I literally have no idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I don't know. I don't know what these crazy kids are up to now. Um, well, in Barcelona, they're just throwing stones at the police. It looks like uh, nice. Barcelona has uh, imported a bunch of Neds from Edinburgh. <laughs> good. Perfect. This is good. And it's no doubt going to lead, it's going to lead to the end of society where we all live on a massive train. Excellent. Which brings us to the film that won last week, which I'm going to lead us into because I fucking lost last week, like for the last three, the last three, right? Hey, maybe you'll win this. Maybe you'll win the next one. Who maybe knows? I'll win the next one. In this but, uh, rigged toss. We won't know till the end of this. All right. So Bong Joon-ho's, am I saying that right? Yes. As, a, as his personal friend... And an expert on on the Korean language, mm. I think his name is Bong Joon Ho. So uh, I'm going to say Bong Joon Ho. Bong Joon Ho's 2013 Snowpiercer, the post-apocalyptic uh, allegorical satire set in a train that's been cul- uh, like going around the world, basically circumnavigating <laughs> the globe for about 15 years at the time the film opens. Uh, the film's super clever title alludes to the frozen wasteland humanity's leaders reduced the earth to, having fired some chemical or other into the atmosphere as climate change was uh, reaching its fictional zenith um, with the goal of eliminating all the bad stuff in the atmosphere, but instead they just made it winter forever. Um, stop me when I'm wrong. In the, afterna- in the aftermath, um, a kind man, to be honest, named Wilford, uh, played by Ed Harris, uh, created a seemingly magic train that runs everywhere forever. I think. Magic. I think they might have um, used the same technology that uh, Wallace and Gromit use in the film "The Wrong Trousers" in the final scene, which is basically they have a dog at the front of the train, constantly putting down tracks. Anyway, it runs everywhere yeah. forever. Uh, on and uh, on which uh, survive the remnants of humanity. The train, being a metaphor. Uh, has reduced humanity down to the rawest of class structures with the people at the top enjoying drugs and sushi and raves and the people at the back eating babies. Uh, I I don't know what you're talking about. It was just a train. It's just people on a train. It doesn't symbolize anything. All right. It symbolizes the railroads. All right. The train symbolizes obviousness. (laughs) The train is a train. We keep getting back to these damn allegories. Anyway, at that point we uh, we entered the, at the point we entered the story, uh, we entered with Chris Evans's uh, Curtis. Was this a pre Captain America Chris Evans? No, he because this is twenty thirteen, so he would have done. 
uh, the first, the first Avengers. Avengers film came out in 2012, so he would have already done his kept his original Captain uh, America. but film I believe probably 2011. I believe he would have shot this beforehand, though, because this film had a hell of a road getting to the big screen, and in many countries it never saw a big screen. Uh, so anyway, at the point we ended the story, Chris Evans as Curtis seems to um, he's, he's set to instigate some sort of rebellion against the upper sections of the train under the guidance of John Hurt Gilliam with the assistance of Jimmy Bell's Edgar. Now, my first question for you is... Why is why is Jimmy Bell Irish? Yes, why is Jimmy... That actually was my first question. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Because my... Because that's, that's also... That was one of my questions is, why is he doing an Irish accent? Yeah. What's that all about? Why didn't they get an Irish person? Why, why didn't they? And plus, also, that just completely takes me out of the movie and I stopped believing it at that point because there's no way an Irish man got on this train. <laughs> no isn't it yeah not well, even in the baby eating section no way not even not even in the lower decks no fuck no dancing and all dancing around having fun and reveling and uh, enjoying life no not not a chance there was there was no irish people on this train it took me out of it immediately uh, okay so i'm glad we we agree on that point um second of all um so this film is based on a graphic novel with a long french name um, and well, do you know what I mean? It, it, the, the the French name is Snowpiercer. Oh, is it Transpersonage? Oh, so he actually did take the name because I saw yeah, that. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's the 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 Snowpiercer. That's the title. Okay, so in that case, I, I you, did you read the summary of the graphic novel? Uh, no, but I assume it's about a train uh, that travels around through the snow. Uh, it's about a bus. Uh, so they, Ugh. yeah, you know, these big budget Hollywood movies. No, 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 no. It's about, it is about a train. But he basically oh, okay. seems to have lifted like the title and the concept for this graphic novel and nothing else. He's then just taken a line for a walk. And that's, to be honest, fine. The graphic novel, though, it does sound great. Um, French graphic, like French comic books went through a wave that I've read none of, by the way. Well, all like nope. uh, hyper imaginative, like science fiction stuff. I think Luc Besson made a film based on one of them a few years ago, and he would have been heavily influenced by them when making the Fifth Element. Um, yeah. Next question: Is John Hurt named for Terry Gilliam? Do you think? Because Terry Gilliam's all over yeah, he's this. Called Gilliam. That's an interesting point. I would. I haven't thought about that, but yeah, there are a lot of like kind of Brazil type elements or. What or twelve twelve monkeys? There's a bit of that as well. Yeah, I think I think Gilliam's all over this film. Um, like his influences, um, and like big chunky set designs. I do love a film that has put some effort into the sets and likes to show them off, which this does. I would say like the films that it really reminds me of are probably the Jean Jean Pierre Zunet films, like City of Lost Children or. Delicatessen. I've never seen City of Lost again, Children. Delicatessen, yes, but Delicatessen is is a Terry is, is a Terry Gilliam movie practically. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same. It's the same kind of stylistic uh, thing. Uh, yeah, for sure. Of how it how it presents the world, it does feel very French to me, but maybe also Korean. Mm. But does this feel like? Because again, have you watched a lot of uh, Bong Bong Joon Ho's films? Um, this would have been coming up, but yeah, I, I suppose so. I've seen. Um, Memories of Murder, which I didn't realize was him until a bit like, like last year when he was winning all those awards for Parasite. 
And then I was looking back through his filmography. I realized I'd seen another one. And I remember when I saw that, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. But I have not seen it since I saw it. And it's been a, quite a few years, I'd say. And I've also seen uh, this, The Host, Parasite, and... Um, uh, Mother, Okja. Okja, Okja, that one. The one he uh, did with John Ronson. Um, I think I've only seen Memories of Murder, and I don't remember it. <laughs> Really, you've never, you've never, you don't say you've all of that's missed you out. Well, it's it's got it's, it's got all Koreans in it. It's all in Korean. Uh, you have. A I'm, point wait, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Spike Lee to do the English <laughs> language remake. Have you seen of that? Everything. No, I refuse. I have seen the original Old Boy, mm. but I have not seen the Spike Lee. Yeah, movie. yeah, no, that's what I'm referring I to. Not seems like yeah, like, I got there. That it seems yeah. like the I mean the definition of an un, an unnecessary, unasked for remake. No, and particularly by yeah. by Spike Lee, which it just surprised surprised me as a decision. But anyway, yeah, he probably has better things to do with his time. But they probably gave him a big bag of cash. Indeed, yeah, he just directed um, the David Byrne concert film, actually, like uh, nice. American Utopia. Anyway, yeah, so in the film's opening scene, um, the concept itself is uh, like the conceit of the film is being is established kind of by means of an audio montage. And then we get a tour around the, the back carriage sets, which reminded me... Very dark. It's very dark. It reminded me most of um, like something between Enemy at the Gates and the PS1 game Abe's Odyssey, something like that. <laughs> It's an interesting... It's a niche reference there, a nice uh, crisp yeah, uh, PlayStation 1 uh, platform game. In the, uh, it was an, uh, that was a pretty pretty cool for a platform game, to be fair. Uh, so we're introduced... I didn't enjoy it, but anyway, continue. Fair enough. We're introduced to the brutality of the world with an exchange that goes down between some goons uh, looking for a violin player and a couple of violin players who look oh, like yeah. they may have been Mike Lee characters before all the shit went down. Uh, yeah, so that immediately starts off brutal. One of them gets gunnered in the face. And then some espionage arrives, uh, hidden in some of their disgusting protein jelly, uh, advising them to get uh, going with their fucking rebellion and to try and get as far as the water cart. I think that's what... Is that what that particular espionage says? Do you remember? One of them says water, but I think there's another There's another message before that. But oh, yeah. yeah. Just, it gives them one a single word mm, messages yeah, that yeah, have yeah. been passed back. In the disgusting looking protein sort of uh, jelly. I, I have no problem. This is the thing, though. My diet, I have a, I live like an insane Spartan lifestyle of a, like sober, almost kind of like straight edge at this point. So... I don't eat, I, I eat very little and I don't eat anything exciting. Like I would eat the same meal every day if I could. So if they offered me, mm. a, if someone offered me a free lifetime supply of protein <laughs> bars made of mashed up insects, I would probably take it. I, I think that would be all right. I would, I would sign up for that. Would you have, do you think, at this point, do you think you would have lived that way? Um, by cho- I think I choose by, by, to live that way now. Yeah, by, but, that way. on a train. But no, 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 no. Protein no. bars. I want. No, 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 no. What I'm asking is, um, so at the moment, like, like you're you're sober. Um, yes. Going back, like back when you were drinking, would you have lived it in a different manner with regards to food? Would you have? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I definitely like ate 
I think when you're hungover, there's way more tendency to eat shite, well, at least for me. Well, I mean. no, 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 because I, I would just like hop in with that. Is like, okay, so even like uh, back when I was drinking and like to an extent a little bit, uh, like since I've been sober, but then I changed completely around it. I did the Spartan diet thing for the longest time because I didn't want to think about, I didn't want to make a, an eating choice. So every <laughs> every Sunday I would just prepare loads of uh, grilled chicken and broccoli. And I ate it every day, yeah. and I managed to do this for months. I'd say in my in my place of work, and then one day I don't know because I've I, like I've gotten really, really, and even more so since I since I stopped drinking, really, really heavily into my meditation, and uh, yeah. Then kind of one day I came home and I don't know there was some lasagna or something there, and like that's what I had for my break instead, and I just just putting that together with an actual break up in my day and like really really enjoying the meal has brought me around to the concept so i know what you mean but now ever since i've had that complete come around yeah the protein bars just look fucking gross to me i mean we see how well how they're made that's later. nice that's nice but you're 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 wrong all right fair enough the protein bars are way better yeah no you're probably right um do you think the lembas bread looks looks nice in lord of the rings I am so unfamiliar. I've watched the Lord of the Rings films, but I hate fantasy in general. Ah, right. Unless it involves... I like trains. <laughs> I'm, I'm that type of autist. I like trains. I don't, I don't like people in elf costumes. All right, fair enough. I, I don't even know what you're referencing. I'm sorry I brought Maybe it up. Like I, I've, I've watched those films, but I can't place any food stuff in them. I remember there's little people... Uh, and then there's people with pointy ears, and there's a big eye in the sky. Hairy feet. Is it? Is it any of those things? No. Hairy feet. That's the fourth thing that I recall. Um, there's a kind of a bit of a will they, won't they, um, gayness kind of going on. Hobbit gayness happening, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm, you, I'm listening. <laughs> All right. Then after the espionage comes. Um, then uh, Claude, the child uh, catcher, arrives, and uh, basically the QAnon conspiracy nice. theories uh, begin at this point. I I feel. <laughs> um, so my next question, basically, so they they go to kidnap the children for some reason. Is did David Ike collaborate on the metaphors for this? Yes, that is <clears throat> factually accurate. They employed David Ike. The uh, truth sayer in a world of lies <laughs> the man who is trying to open our eyes to the realities of 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 the of the universe and life well can you get uh, yeah can you get to um can you get to from bang jun ho uh, to david ike in 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 one connection uh david ike used to be a goalkeeper no, I have no idea. What, what are you even referring to? <laughs> Bong Joon-ho co-wrote the movie Okja with John Ronson, who uh, wrote about oh, uh, okay, David Icke okay. in, the, in his um, book, Adventures with Extremists. Um, okay, fair enough. So maybe, maybe thanks to John Ronson, this is the connection. Which, spoilers uh, for anybody who hasn't read about all the conspiracy theories on the planet Earth, guys, 90% of the times it was, in fact, a cabal of Jewish bankers. Um. Anyway, so the the cl- okay. I'm not going to cut that. Uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, it's conspiracy theorists. I didn't make them up. Uh, so when cl- what is this? The Labour Party? Huh? 
Oh, oh, because... oh, that's a nice crisp Jeremy Corbyn reference there, guys. Yeah. Um, which will be about 10 days old when this comes out. <laughs> Were you kidding? This, that, that, that is evergreen. That's not going away. I, 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 can, I can make that reference all the time. I have well. a friend who used to uh, work uh, researching spin for the Tory party, and um, they would just get him to research again and again whether they could find... Um, uh, anti-Semitic, uh, like evidence of anti-Semitism in Corbyn's past. So my mate, uh, who is like a conservative fellow, will tell you all the live long day that uh, Jeremy Corbyn is not anti-Semitic. Uh, he would know because he he researched it for about a half a year and could not find right, ev- ev- any evidence to support the fact. Anyway, Claude the child catcher takes away some children and then Spud Murphy gets annoyed because his child gets taken. And then uh, Tilda Swinton's Tim Burton character um pops down the train and uh, they yeah basically they take his arm um for fighting against the democratic party as they take his son uh, in an entertainingly brutal fashion i have to say which happens off screen so you get like sound design violence like in american history x where the sound just makes you go yeah. well the teeth on the curb Exactly, yeah. The teeth in the curb, that sound is all you need. You do not need to see the violence. That sound is more horrifying than anything that happens. Oh, it's in my head. Yeah. It's in my head. Get it out. I know, right? I know. So, okay. At this point, uh, Tilda Swinton gives her game away by saying, uh, stop pointing that useless gun. And uh, then Edgar and uh, Curtis pick up on some. So, yeah. This is the point that I really liked. I liked it. But Tilda Swinton, you said Tim Burton. Mm. For me, she she's doing like a kind of League of Gentlemen. That <laughs> is not my responsibility, Ross. Yeah. My responsibility. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's the job center <laughs> you lady. Could be babysitters <laughs> or bramble pickers. She's that. Piss off. <laughs> so, yeah, at this point, the film kind of establishes its rhythm, which is, as far as I can see, um, action, message, set design, rinse, repeat. That's what we do in yeah. Snowpiercer. Which I, I love that. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like just opening a new train carriage and you've, you every single time they go into a new carriage, you're like, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. This is insane. Like, this just it gets better and better as they go through the train. And like, I mean, it occurs to me particularly uh, later on in the train when they get to like the sauna carriage. And But you're just thinking, this isn't a functional so stupid. living space. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. It's like every time somebody wanted to go to the sushi, sushi reference, it's like, mom, I don't want to go to the sushi restaurants. Why? Because we, <laughs> we have to go through the sauna. <laughs> And they've been living like this for what? You said like 15 years. 15 years, years yeah. <laughs> it's just insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure uh, Bong Joon-ho accounted for this uh, and just said, yeah, whatever, I don't care. I want to do my... Fuck it, just make it look good. Yeah, yeah I want to do my... So anyway, yeah, there we've, we've got it. That's the rhythm of the movie is action, uh, action message, set design, rinse, repeat. So at this point, we get our first blast out action so through hearing tilda swinton tell a goon to stop pointing that useless gun curtis and uh, edgar deduce that the guns have no bullets and set their um rebellion in motion with a large pipe it's actually it's a it's gripping kind of scene uh chris evans curtis uh, pops up to her and just puts the gun to his own head and uh, pulls the trigger yeah yeah that's good i like that's pretty it's pretty cool it's like it's well shot and and style yeah it's really nicely done because he's running up you're not 100 percent sure if he's just gonna like try and smack her in the face but Mm. yeah i don't know he does the old russian roulette on his head it's cool yeah 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 i like and there's 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 
that like whenever the film and it happens a few times does slightly you start slightly begin to wonder things like uh so they have to go through the sauna cart every time they want to do this <laughs> uh it'll get you with like a nice little just ac- twist on action and and the way they're doing it um which yeah in it like there's something kind of john wicky about that sort of approach to it it's like what if we did this you know what i mean as a as opposed to it actually yeah. contributing much to the story which you know it's fine essentially it's a fucking movie on an, a post-apocalyptic train what do you want anyway yeah so then um yeah we get a we get a really interesting moment where um some back carriage um peasant bums let's call them the bcpbs uh, encounter a really large man <laughs> you've been going full on so uh so they encounter a really large man and so they unleash their own man we- weapon who is a crackhead who moves like a monkey um uh to take down the big man in a brutal fashion which he does. Yeah what's 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 the deal with that that guy that crackhead guy because you see him a bit later on as well getting involved in some fights but yeah he's not really introduced in any way he as you say he's just like a crackhead monkey man that they have Yeah that, that's around. pretty much it they have a crackhead a monkey spare, man a spare crackhead monkey man uh, does the crack drug, what's it called again? Cronal. Cronal. It's Cronal, I think it's called. I think you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think it's called Cronal. And do do does the drug, does Cronal come from the engine too? Is it some kind of leftover engine remnant, like fuel remnant or something? that Because that's what they're huffing. Uh, but then it's also flammable, or it's explosive. Oh yeah, yeah. We well, we learned that at the end. Yeah, Chronal, Chronal is called Chronal. Spoilers for the end of this podcast, guys. Um, but anyway, yeah. So then uh, they use their Chronal crackhead to defeat this uh, great big man, and then um, in, in a part that truly just emphasizes the real metaphors going on here, they get they get uh, past that. Oh yeah, no. Before they do that, I'm sorry. Before they do that, they. Um, break out of a drawer so they they have their they use their first bit of protein jelly espionage um to break a, they locate um regular bong jung ho collaborator uh, song kang ho who's kind of a an explosives expert or something something along those lines who's all- he helped he helped no he helped uh design the security systems he understands how that's how so he he understands how to open all the doors because he was involved in the creation of everything okay and then they they basically they fish him out of a drawer or something um and <laughs> we get a real basil exposition line here uh as he pulls out a cigarette and somebody in the background, like a fucking Simpsons character goes, cigarettes have been extinct for more than 10 years now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true. It's funny and true. <laughs> I, I love lines like that. Like they're, they're just uh, like when you're watching them and well, like, no, no way. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even that. Someone said Marlboro lights <laughs> as well. Marlboro lights. You haven't been able to purchase them from uh, because, from your favorite tobacconists in quite some time. The, uh, I, like, yeah, I mean, maybe not so much Bong Joon-ho because it's his second language, but I imagine script supervisors and movie people just roll their eyes at certain exposition production naughty lines that make their way in. I remember a film I've only watched once, uh, thankfully. I remember I was watching Star Trek Into Darkness in... Um, in the cinema, uh, and still a line 
stands out Con. to me when uh, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's can is chasing them, and then um, I think his name is Justin Lin, is it? Uh, or the director is Justin? No, Lin. oh, Justin no, Lin. He's, he's a film director. He directed the third one. Uh, sorry, the Asian guy. Uh, I forget his name. He t- he turns around and just says. Uh, he just jumped ten oh, meters. It's, it's yeah. Just a the guy very, who played Sulu. Yes, uh, John John Cho. John Milf, Cho, the milf guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Anyway, so they break this guy out, and he insists on them taking um, his daughter out too. And then they open up a door, and this is where the Plato's simile of the cave really starts to just reveal itself. The, you know, the train symbolizes obviousness. It's when they get into mm. a cart and then they they all get blinded by the light, which I don't know how well you know your um, ancient Greek philosophy, but that, that features heavily, being blinded by the light. Um, What's that, God or something? Uh, no, it's just the, just the truth is just too much to bear and you can't, ah, okay. you can't see clearly in I it, see. something like that, yeah. Um, anyway, then they get into the Terry Gilliam section of the train, basically, which is where they make the, uh, the gooey protein and a guy had lovely, lovely, lovely protein, the lovely protein jelly. Now I have to say, right, hold on here. So this is teed up to be kind of a horrific reveal when you see how they make it. But I mean, I I couldn't see clearly what it was. I just saw it it was insects and I was like. Yeah. Who cares? You're in the apocalypse, man. Yeah, I know. You should be quite. You should be happy that there are insects. Yeah, Jesus I'm Christ! Delighted. And that's supposed to be like a hit. Like I thought, like when, like I, because I saw this years ago, so I didn't. But like this, so yeah. so banal is this reveal. I didn't remember it at all. So that when yeah. the, when they were teeing up to the um, top of the tank, I thought we were in for a kind of a soil and green moment. You know, I genuinely yeah, did. Exactly. I thought, oh my god, yeah. it's going to be li- the little babies they donated earlier. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, that is not the case uh, at all. But this is the Terry Gilliam section, um, and then, yeah, they get they manage to get another little bit of uh, jelly espionage, which tells them to get as far as the water place. Now, the next place they get to on the train has a really weird thing, which I was wondering, could you explain it to me? So they get to this train with, there might not be bullets, but there's a bunch of seemingly blindfolded guy with swords. <laughs> now, it's cool. It's really cool. But why Why are they polishing their swords with a dead fish? Oh, yeah. They, they bring out a dead fish and then gut it. In front. Is it not just like a symbol of like, we're going to gut you? But they all... Like, pa- we have fish. They pass... We're going to gut you. It was just one, I thought. It was just one. Yeah, fish. but they pass around the fish and it, the different boys all use the fish. Is that all it is? They were just being... Weird, because no. To be fair, I think so. If I was about to throw down with somebody and they started messing around with a dead fish, I would bow out of the fight personally. I mean these these guys just look like a kind of hardened Russian football hooligan mm. crew that's ready for action. Do you reckon like the people who are who are in the sauna cart get scared of these guys when they're on their way home from <laughs> just the walking end, through at the <laughs> end of the the end of a day's work? And like, right, I'll see you later. like the the the, yeah. the 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 soft guys in the sauna are going. Oh my god, who opened the door? It smells of fish. <laughs> and then they see these guys. They're like, Oh, hello, sir. Hello. Uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for uh, holding off the um, uh, the trip. Does that mean they they also they have to go through the the classroom with all the kids? Oh yeah, well? for sure. For sure. That's the only. <laughs> that's the only way of the trip. <laughs> so stupid. 
is. I like it, but it, it doesn't. <laughs> Me can, It does not stand up to any. No, no, no. Rigorous no. analysis. But that's why. It's but so that's stupid. why the rhythm of it works well. Is the fact yeah. that every so often they'll punctuate. Uh, you thinking just you don't even have to think hard you thinking slightly above the level of a yeah, child yeah, yeah. Uh, they punctuate it with a <laughs> with a nice action scene to get you going even though this action yeah, scene nice. with these boys I didn't think much of I didn't think it was great um, it reminded me actually of the strobe lighty uh, fight sequence from yeah, the Chronicles of Riddick Chronicles of Riddick yeah um, it's a bit Riddicky. Uh, but anyway then we run into uh, Tilda Swinton's um you know the uh, Pauline, Pauline, Pauline from Job Seekers, <laughs> yes. Um, who is is she at the end of the cart full of blindfolded fellows? Oh no, I, yeah, ju- I yeah, recall. Yeah. No, no, no. But she is. Yeah, yeah. she is. But before the, the uh, before that happens, they've they've already, they've already met her earlier as well. But then she runs away. Well, basically, and... they've all got night vision goggles, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. So all the boys are fucked, and you've got like. Uh, sequences that are supposed to be a little bit horrifying with middling effect where um the uh yeah the, you just see jamie bell in the dark trying to evade these guys and then yeah, who cares i want jamie bell to get knifed in most of this and then of course then they have a they basically lift out um sort of a tracking shot from <laughs> this is a, a from gangs of new york uh really it mm. was for me so you've got, uh, or also from uh, Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, which you might get. Uh, where they... I would rather take it. I'd rather say it was from Gangs in New York. So uh, it's basically the just following the kid with the light. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, basically, yeah, the uh, crackhead uh, monkey warrior is going to go up and, I don't know, explode them or some shit. Is that what I, uh, something like that goes down? What do you mean? That's why they brought the light in or what? Well, they they run up the train um, to I don't know light people on fire or something like that. Anyway, is it not just to just not so that their night vision goggles don't work? That's why they have the light. Something like that, and then that's why they brought the fire in is so that they can so that they can kind of balance things out against these and then soldiery guys with their night vision. They fucking murderize some people and they get till the, they get till the Swinton, but Jamie Bell's Edgar dies. Yeah, because uh, Chris Evans sacrifices Jamie Bell. Is that how it goes down? Yeah, he has a choice. Chris Evans can either go for Tilda Swinton. And by the way, these are the character names as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. (laughs) In this film, these are the character names. Chris Evans can either go for Tilda Swinton or he can go back and save Jamie Bell. And he's like, "Eh, that Irish accent was annoying me. This guy's clearly a Geordie on an Irish accent let him die let's go and get the English lady who lives in Scotland who's putting on a Yorkshire accent instead I will say he put uh, first of all does Tilda Swinton live in Scotland I didn't know that yeah she lives up in Nairn in the north of Scotland she spent a long time in Edinburgh and well. uh, other question I well not question just statement um, as actors doing Irish accents go uh, Jamie Bell's Irish accent is fucking perfect I don't care though. Yeah, it's no, just no, annoying. Fair enough, but um, um, and also, yeah, but I just remember back in this day, like, like I like him as um, Captain America, but um, just Chris Evans, even he's, he's good. Eh? Oh, he's just great. He's just a great actor. Um, he's good. It, like there was a time where uh, anything he was in, he would be the best thing in it. 
Uh, yeah, thinking back to like Sunshine. Oh, he was the best uh, thing, best thing in Sunshine yeah. for sure. Best character, yeah, best great. performance. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim, he's fantastic, and yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah, really yeah. good in this. He's just got a, a a great intensity to him, and you really buy it. Yeah. Everything that goes on with him. So anyway, yeah, they get, it reminds you that he's he's just a great actor mm. that ended up getting you know. Yeah, making a shit ton of money on Marvel, but like, I guess he also wants to do other stuff. Well, he's really good as Cap as well. I like mean. Knives Out. Oh yeah, yeah, he's and he's great in Knives Out. He's, uh, yeah, he's quality. Playing like a, a super bastard kind of a fella. Yeah. So then, anyway, um, they've got Tilda Swinton. Uh, Curtis is feeling all bad to Gilliam about having killed Jamie Bell, and uh, I think is this the time that um, is this the is this the moment when he reveals his story or who does he reveal his story to no he reveals his story later on uh later on in the film to who we see him having a oh to, to the korean guy, to the korean guy. i don't yeah, know yeah, the korean yeah, yeah. guys i don't even know his character or actor name anyway we're picking up the a korean guy so we've got message of the fella we've got a message going on because uh, gilliam is encouraging him to I think just go to the top of the train and take over the train. That's what he, he wants. Um, yeah, it seems to be. Curtis to do. Um, and so then we're on to set design mode again. So first of all, we pass through the plant town uh, where the mm-hmm. African-American la- lady just starts eating all the tomatoes, um, which, to be fair, they look like good tomatoes. It reminded me of, have you ever seen the film Rain of Fire? Yes, the the one with the dragons and Matthew McConaughey yeah. and Christian Bale. Do you remember when they yeah. skip out in that movie to or take some early... I remember zero uh, about that film. Never mind. Except that it had dragons in it. It does have dragons. Then they go through a, a kind of an aquarium sort of a tunnel, which is just ridiculous. But it's a perfectly... It's great fun, though. This is, yeah, it's exactly mm. what we were saying. Exactly, like yeah. Each carriage gets more and more kind of interesting visually. And then we're in the sushi bar, um, which is awesome. But Tilda Swinton's not allowed to eat sushi. She's made to eat delicious protein uh, <laughs> block, which that'll that'll learn her. And they go through the butcher cart, as I remember. Oh, yeah. And then finally, we're in the schoolroom with the pregnant school teacher, yeah. who I recognize from something. And Alice he helped and me Bill. out. Yeah. What Alice do I recognize her from? We are sex, babam. One, two, three, four. Uh, there we go. Yeah, she was very recently with us. And she's basically like, I don't know, is Aryan a country, but she's the queen of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's very, she's white. And uh, then we're, we're uh, introduced to the really religious concept of the train with the children uh, chanting all these things. And they pass kind of a monument, which is of, it's, that's really cool, actually. I really I thought that was quite, a, quite a fun concept, is that once a year they would pass this, oh, yeah. this point where these guys got off the train and they, they barely got like 50 meters from the track um, and they just froze to... And froze to death. They froze to death, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it's getting a bit heady and then you're starting to think, well, so hang on. Like the tough cunts when they're coming home from work, they need to pass through <laughs> this. They need to pass through the school cart, and then all. And you're thinking about that, and then this guy, weird uh, train eunuch, comes along with eggs, and he starts giving everyone eggs, and then you're just thinking, "Oh, this is moronic." And then the pregnant lady gets out a machine gun, and yeah, and, uh, and then the big shit, yeah, yeah, and then it's fun again. You're like, "Woo! All right, cool. I'm done with this." Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, some. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so sh- the tr- train lady and the eunuch man, they get out. They both get out machine guns and seem to survive. That's well, no. Does pregnant lady die? I can't remember. Yeah, no, she dies. Uh, how unpleasant. She gets. She gets shot up. So, oh yeah, and uh, yeah. Then the next uh, action scene they try, they try to distract us with is the trains going around a big bend. And Suitman, <laughs> who's our latest henchman that we've been introduced, uh, is trying to sh- to hit Chris Evans around the train bend. Um, it's all very good. It's all loads of fun, you could say. They're a tremendous shot. But then we start getting to the crazy stuff because then we go into the pool room. I have to pass through the pool room. <laughs> and then they're into the sauna room. The sauna room is where he has a big sauna fight, which has nothing on the sauna fight from Eastern Promises, which is one of the best action scenes ever, honestly. I haven't seen Eastern Promises. I want to watch it. It's on the list. Oh, dude! Uh, yeah, you, Eastern Promises is great. Um, I watched. Uh, I watched uh, History, History of Violence. Violence, but I never. I never got around to Eastern Promises. It's on the list. It's on the list. You got a big ass long list. Anyway, I'm afraid so. So the people who managed to make it out of the sauna room are Chris Evans and um, the explosives expert the demolition expert i need a, a character name here korean man korean man <clears throat> his name's like nam <clears throat> excuse me his name is nam gong minsu nam and his daughter and then they, yeah, <laughs> what i think is a very funny sequence is they pass through the nightclub cart and uh the the, the two of them just go around and start taking everybody's drugs <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, but is is, yeah, is, is, is it just more chronal? Yeah. I mean, the drugs are just chronal, so they're just going and taking that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, they're taking the chronal, um, which we learned that later that the chronal isn't explosive. But it, at the when we're what at at this point in the movie, you're just thinking these are the most scurrilous junkies that ever lived. They're just <laughs> just taking everybody's chronal. Uh, but we learn yeah. very soon that they're actually taking it to because um, they want to make explosives with it. Because um, then, all of a sudden, after the nightclub cart, and then right at the end through the junkie cart, I think the last cart before the uh, Wilfred's cart is the junkie cart, and um, Nam gives Chris Evans his last cigarette, uh, the last cigarette in the world, it seems. By the way, Nam mm-hmm. is translating using a, a what looks like a cross between a Star Trek device and a Sony Walkman. I like that. Yeah. I, like, I like that device, the voice translator thing. We're, pro- we're not that far away. I mean, actually, I think we more or less have something similar. Mm. Just even using Google. It could work, yeah, yeah. yeah she uses it in the Netflix show Emily in Paris, um, which is one of the worst things you'll ever watch. Okay. Anyway, we'll we? get back. Where okay. So then um, Curtis gets given the last Marlboro light in the world, and in exchange for this, he tells Nam his story. And his story is... That at a while ago, on the in the back carriages of the train, they were eating. They started eating people, um, and that eventually, um, the people started noticing that babies tasted nice. That babies mm. tasted the nicest. So they stole this woman's baby, and um, killed uh, killed the woman. And they were gonna all him, Chris Evan and a bunch of his buddies were all gonna eat this baby. And then John Hurt's character Gilliam came along and cut off his own arm, uh, which I don't know how he could do, but anyway, uh, cut off his own arm and he said, here, eat this if you're hungry. And then people started cutting off uh, 
their own limbs and stuff to feed each other and eventually they came to a truce with the people from the upper half and they started getting the protein jelly and that's what they ate um but that, like basically this is almost a scene direct this is almost a scene out of the gulag archipelago uh, I liked. I, I enjoyed yeah. this reveal and other reveals in the film. I feel like they were effective throughout. Like for me, watching this, I was kind of like, "Oof!" So Chris Evans was kind of mm, yeah, I don't not know. a baddie. He wasn't a baddie, but he was like a man who'd been. He just completely turned into a savage at that point. A desperate bum. Uh, yeah. So then uh, we get up into the we get up into the front of the train. Um, which is where Ed Harris is essentially there. I was so happy to see him. I was like, oh, thank God they got someone good yeah. to be Wilford. Yeah, he's perfect for that. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah, great. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the, like he's the Wizard of Oz, essentially. And he, he there. It's like a kind of like Truman show similar to that character. Yeah, 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 actually. Um, and the, like the front of the train is just like full blown steampunky glory. Like it's pretty cool. Um, it could almost be in steampunk masterpiece, the wild, wild west. Uh, oh yeah. Well that's, you know, but it doesn't have a giant spider, a giant mechanical spider. You can only pull off, which you is know, what's missing. you can only pull off a cinematic trick like that once. Uh, you gotta make it. Mm-hmm. So then anyway, uh, Ed Harris starts, uh, revealing he's essentially, this is a conversation with God, uh, or the wizard of Oz or something. Um, so he cooks him a steak and he basically breaks it down for him. Now, the break, this is like, what, is there any scene that this reminded you of particularly while you were watching it? Because the one sprung I'm to mind to immediately well, for me. You... Uh, this is when, this is essentially when Neo meets the architect at the end of Matrix Reloaded. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. okay. Matrix, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it's essentially that. Because, uh, and also with the content of the scene, because he tells him that Gilly, that the whole revolution thing was staged, and mm-hmm. uh, like that, was, he's friends with Gilliam, and Gilliam's job was to orchestrate revolutions to depopulate the back carriages. I don't understand what what are they trying to say about society? I don't I don't get it. Oh, it's all very cleanly cut metaphors that basically society is <laughs> just a big machine designed to fucking eat children. Uh, like I like I like trains. Yeah, I'm a fan of trains me, myself. Me too, like a sauna cart, personally. Um, mm. It's weird because, like, I um, apparently in the Snowpiercer TV show, the 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 train is much bigger, like you, like a Battlestar Galactica sized train. Almost. Yeah, I was going to. So they 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 they've adapted the they have adapted both the Bong Joon-ho film and the original graphic novel into a TV series. Mm. Have you seen anything of it? Because I, no. um, as much as I like this, I, I saw that I, I had a little look at the, the, the rating of mm. the TV series and had a, a, a flick through it, but I just feel like, how do you get 10 episodes? It's already, they're filming season two. Yeah, they are. Well, yeah. But, well, like, but how do you get even 10 episodes out of a train there's so much good TV out there at the moment, and I'm too busy. Yeah. I'm too busy watching um, Banshee and The West Wing, to, and just about to finish The Leftovers. Um, so, oh yeah, 
That's right. And I just watched the first episode of season two of The Mandalorian. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited. It was good. It was was very good. I absolutely adored the first season of that. I thought it was right. I think I think I think the first episode of season two is even stronger. Yeah, it's it's just really captured that um, good Star Wars Saturday morning cartoons vibe as well. Right, It's like they don't like like people like i've read some reviews uh, saying oh they, like it, it's it's so amazing the way they've uh, found a way to get you in there without explaining or tying things up in the world and i right. i'm there thinking well that's what saturday morning cartoons used to do you'd sit down <laughs> yeah. you'd sit down and watch biker mice from mars and what's the exposition you get oh there's fucking uh, there's these biker mice and they're from mars and you're like all right cool well i'll i'll accept that <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh anyway Chris Evans is there talking away to Wilfred. Uh, Wilfred kind of says that he would like him to take over the train because he can't do it forever, something along those lines. Um, And then, basically, uh, it's revealed that the reason he's been taking children is because there's parts of the trains that he basically needs children to work them or something like that. Yeah, because they're little. But something broke. I think they originally had something else, and now this, the replacement system is getting little kids to go in and manually and that, do stuff to the engine. Yeah, and the, so then Chris Evans appears to be sacrificing his arm at last to save a kid. Oh. Um, because, yeah, he, like, oh, yeah, because there's a confusing part in, in, in one, uh, like, where he, he asks Gilliam, uh, how can I uh, lead a rebellion when I've got my two arms? And I'm just, yeah, I, I heard that. I was going, what? What are you talking about? Because he tried to cut off his arm before, but he shat his pants. Ex- like a, an absolute coward. Oh, the type of coward that can't chop off his arm. Like a normal person. Yeah, exactly. You what sh- a scumbag. What a shitbag. Uh, so but he does finally get the opportunity to... Anyway, the solution is, like, he can take over the train or fix it or whatever, but no, no, they would rather go with Nam's proposal, which is, you know what, no, fuck it, fuck this train, I don't want to fucking take over this train, fuck it, we're blowing up the fucking train. Yeah, the door's off. Yep. Uh, you were only supposed to blow off the bloody doors. Uh, that was a terrible Michael Caine, sorry about that. Yeah, I think we had the word order, word order slightly. Um, you, were, you were only supposed to... Off the, put the doors so that they're no longer on the car. That's it. And that's the, the line. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I, so then they blow it up and you're all wondering, right, first of all, I mean, everybody's dying after this. I hope so. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there's no perceivable way anybody could survive. Do you mean everyone else on the train apart from the characters who do survive? No, even. Or do you mean it's just a shit plan? Well, I mean, once they get out of the train, what are they going to do? They see the polar bear of hope, sure. Um, because it's... Okay, okay. Well, I think the ending is... The ending is a big problem because as far as my understanding, as I'm, I am of the opinion that everyone else on the train is basically dead mm. from, the, from the crash. So the only people that survive are Nam's daughter, Yona, and the African-American kids, like the black... The black kid who get timmy or who gets uh kind of kidnapped early on mm. so they're the only two living people so now are they supposed to repopulate the earth together he's a, about 10 years younger than her 
are they supposed to just now start shagging? Is this the idea? And then are they going yeah, to... Yeah, fuck yeah. Do they even... Do, do they want to repopulate the earth or is it just these two are just going to live until they die basically and that's the end of humanity well maybe there's fair enough either way i don't mind but the, but apparently the snow is thawing though that's yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah they figured that out um so if you watch bong ho's uh, filmography he's got kind of a an unofficial trilogy going on with like uh i suppose like in uh, an environmental sort of sci-fi fantasy trilogy in the way of the host, uh, this, and then Akja. Um, and in the list of the three of those, this would probably come in number two. I'd say the host, I enjoy the host more than this. Um, no, yeah, I enjoy the host more than this. I enjoy this more than Akja. Um, but like a pretty, it's a pretty good film. Um, I'll see uh, no real reason why I'll probably ever watch it again, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, I liked it for the set design more than anything. I think Mm. the world building is interesting, and um, I like some of the ideas and how they're presented. But yeah, again, like, that's enough for me. I've seen the train. You're on that one set, and it's obviously, I mean, you're you're seeing all kind of crazy carriages each time, but it does feel a little claustrophobic, and... It's interesting. I'm okay with it. It's like, um, you know... uh, for example, what the two almost dead guys trying to get into the White House right now, I mean, like you can literally watch their campaign managers work in their ear with the stuff they say. And in the same way with this, like the balance of keeping the audience interested, you know, I mean, it's just punctuated by action beats, little stories here and there, set design. They do whatever yeah. they can to kind of keep you going in this odd way, which is, you know, I mean... It's just interesting to watch in that regard. Um, and he, yeah. he is a very, like, he's a very competent filmmaker. Like, it's very well made, as I, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, yeah, and also, is it the best uh, dystopian allegory we had to watch this week? It certainly is not. How could it compare to Logan's Run? Uh, indeed. Okay. Take it away there, Andy. Yeah, so Logan's Run is a 1976 American sci fi movie directed by Michael Anderson who directed The Dam Busters in 1955. Mm. But by this point in the 70s, it might be fair to say that the wheels had come off somewhat. The dam had burst. Oh, no. Have you seen any... Are, are you aware of him at all as a filmmaker? Do you know if you've seen any of his films? I've I, I had heard. I've heard the name. Have, throw some out at me there. Um, so he directed 1984, apparently. In 1956, he did the 1956 adaptation of 1984. I have not seen that. Me neither. He also did uh, 80 Days Around the World. Around the World in 80 Days, you tit. Around the World in 80 Days, thank you. I was thinking, <laughs> I was singing the song in my head from the kids' cartoon. 80 Days Around the World. <laughs> That's oh, exactly why I called it When that. Phileas Fogg is a lion. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know that's, do you know that's actually Spanish? You know they're all Spanish, actually. I did not know that. And they were, yeah, they, they, are, were, they, were, dubbed in, they, were, they were dubbed into English. Can you, do, can you do, do Journey to the Center of the world, Earth? I, can. I don't know the song. Journey. To the center <laughs> of the <laughs> earth, to the bottom of the sea. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, where life might end within our precious world. Yeah, yeah, There you go. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Indeed, nice. Um, go on. 
So yeah, uh, some of his other films were Pope Pope Joan. I thought you might like Pope Joan. Never heard of it. Uh, the Quiller Memorandum with uh, Alec Guinness. It's uh, a screenplay by Harold Pinter. Mm. I haven't seen any of these. The only other film of his that I've seen is <laughs> slightly not a slightly uh, less prestigious fair is the film Millennium from 1989 starring Chris Christopherson. I've ne- no, I've never heard of that. That's so funny. I, I, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a it's supposedly quite cheesy sci-fi film, but I watched it when I was a kid, and it's something that really stuck with me. It's like a kind of time travel sci-fi thing. Well, he also um, so, directed a film that uh, gave the name to one of Amer- the early '90s as uh, "Finest Young Indie Bands," the Fine Young Cannibals. Well, there you go. <laughs> she drives me crazy. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Quality. Uh, All right. Well, anyway. Yes. So. Anyway. This is Michael. This is Michael Anderson's film. Um, so the film is based on the 1967 novel of the same name by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson. Mm. Took, um, it took, I'm always a bit skeptical. It, yeah, it took two, two people not, to, two to write that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm always a bit skeptical of novels with two authors. Mm. Don't know what that's all about. Because one one guy did the typing and the other guy just told him what to what to write. Uh, reminds me of that Family Guy joke of. Um, uh, ben, ben, Affleck ben Affleck and Matt Damon, and Matt Damon yeah. writing Goodwill Hunting, and Ben Affleck just smoking weed all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's, I imagine it's quite similar to this. So the film is set in a dystopian future in the year twenty two seventy four. Logan's Run tells the story of a hedonistic utopian society where everyone is doing mad pre-aid Studio 54 type shenanigans <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> Quite a way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're doing that all day, every day until age 30 mm. when they must undergo the rite of carousel, carousel. and be renewed mm. in inverted commas. All right, okay. So... Talk to me. Yeah, so the big... <laughs> everyone's walking around wearing different colours, like a big, awful traffic light party, <laughs> yeah. signifying, how much, <laughs> signifying how much time they have to go until they, right. until they go okay. red so, and therefore get the chop. I'm going to have a lot of pauses to do on this. So, yeah, first of all, got to ask, when did... Right, was it... Are there pragmatic motivations in the fact that a lot of science fiction films figured, oh yeah, in the future everyone will wear the same shit? Yeah. Is that is it a budget thing or is that based in something? Because as far as I can remember, like the only one I can't think of, the I, as far as I can tell, the first science fiction film to really have a stab at reality would have been Alien. I can't think of one that. Mm. went for it earlier than that except maybe two Wait, well alien 79 right yeah so this is like there's three years difference between logan's run and alien and a but... world in between the two yeah, like jesus it's christ it's crazy how different they are uh yeah um i, t- I like yeah i don't I like uh, I, I you know they have grand philosophical movements and artistic movements to define stuff like this but basically the way i would put it in in Logan, in Logan's run, the future is just a, a fantasy. Do what you want, and it, by alien, oh, they're yeah, feeling absolutely. some connection to the future, and maybe they're yeah, 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 true. Whatever. True. Anyway, continue. So, yep, yeah, uh, the film starts with a fairly horrendous model of a domed city. Yeah, uh, which prompt which prompted me to look up the budget. 
Any guesses of how much this film cost to make? In, I don't know. Um, $1976. Eight million US dollars. Eight million I mean, US that's, dollars. That's not a cheap movie. It's cheaper than Star Wars. Um, well, that's that. That was my that was my uh, my other point. Was Star Wars cost eleven? Eleven, million. yeah, yeah. And they, you, the, the money. So, like, where did the where did this where did the money go on this film? Well, I mean, there's a lot in set design. I would say all like, but there, there's uh, we can get to it eventually, I suppose. But I mean, this, yeah. How how could I put it? it I mean, it's just, this that this people model were is sati- awful. People were satisfied with Gaudi uh, back then. It seems yes, the models some, are some awful. Of the, the 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 visual effects in this film are. Uh, maybe it's just maybe we're underestimating the effect of Star Wars and how much Star Wars changed the world. Maybe. Um. Yeah. I would. Well, I would say we are. Um. We're we're not we're not taking that into account because if you think about it, I mean, there, like there are. Okay, might as well say it all right. I know. I, I just like I, if on every possible estimation, I thought this was a heap of garbage. Uh, I oh, absolutely. I, I was, I was going to ask you. Those were one of my questions. Was is this worse? Like, would you rather watch Chronicles of Riddick or this? Oh, I would rather watch. I watch. I watch. They both. This, this one has nudity. Uh, yes, it does. Um, actually, big shout out to a podcast regular big, big Jenny, Jenny, Jenny Agatha gets the lads out again. Legend. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I never want to watch this again. <laughs> I never want to watch this I again. I really disliked it. Yeah. I, this was one film where I was, uh, uh, of all the films we've watched so far, clearly, though, I mean, by far the worst. I would say it's a lot worse than Karate. Mm. <sighs> Chronicles of Riddick is bad too, but yeah. I would say this is worse. There's more laughs in and Chronicles of Riddick than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's something. I, I mean, I, I, I wrote a song off the back, I, or I, I recorded a, I recorded a piece of music. So Chronicles of Riddick inspired me to be more creative. I would say, but this, this film, like, genuinely, it pained me having to watch it. I was yeah, just saying, difficult. Going, I can't believe I have to watch yeah, this shit. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Because I think uh, from time to time, we are going to end up watching worse films. Mm. But like, did did you have any notion of how bad this was when you no, selected No, no, I didn't. Because I, the thing is, right, there are signs, like, it's for me, it's not, like it's not about the special effects it's not about the camp acting like i can if we were watching planet of the apes or either of its two sequels this week i'd be like fucking damn tidy sign me up the great stuff oh yeah absolutely star, Definitely. Star, first planet of the apes great star trek 2 the wrath of Khan. i'm there even something big yeah. big and campy like forbidden planet has really interesting ideas in it mm-hmm. um the kind like everything Inter- everything interesting that there might be in this is just—I don't know. I mean, first of all, it, like the okay, we we can go through it start to finish, and we will, I'm sure. But we'll rush to the plot. Right. Let's just take it apart. But like, and right. the well, let's be pacier than this film because this film is not fucking pacey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Continue. Okay, okay. So we're introduced to our hero Logan Five, played by Basil Exposition himself, Mister Michael York. As he lurks outside the nursery with his best mate Francis Seven, mm-hmm. played by Richard Jordan from David Lynch's Dune. Okay, didn't pick up they, on that. Yeah, they're both Sandmen, the people responsible for chasing down thirty-year-olds who don't fancy being turned into Soylent Green and who decide to make a break for it. Have you seen Soylent Green? 
I I don't think so. But I'm I don't think I'm gonna watch it after, after after uh, watching this. You think so? Because I, I know the I know the entire plot mm-hmm. to Silent Green. I just don't think I've it also I seems I've seen it, but I think I've just absorbed it at some point. It also seems like it might be of this kind of ilk and if this has taught me yeah, one thing I is I don't so. I don't have the patience or the lifespan for this kind of shit. <laughs> to be honest. That's fair. Go on. That's fair. Continue. So we follow we follow uh, Francis and Logan over to the big main hall of the bizarre college campus where they live. As they observe the process of carousel being carried out, the people who have reached the end of their life clocks are sucked up into the air and blasted by some kind of laser gun thingy. Mm. This is, I mean, the special effects in this film, I feel like this film won an Oscar for visual effects. The special effects it was, aren't the worst like for, you think so no i really don't it's like the shooting is horrendous like oh the, with the guns the, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 the they're, blaster gun they're they're terrible but they're hilarious ter- yeah 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 but i mean okay for that the carousel scene and another scene later when they're in the face removal place uh they have the actors work well with the gaudy effects to make them come off in a certain way and they do one effect yeah, they, okay. they do one effect here where they have it's a trick effect where they um, shoot miniatures and they do a double lens shoot where they shoot miniatures next to like mm. people away at a distance and it makes yeah, the miniatures yeah. seem big. But whatever, it, like it won't. <laughs> nobody is impressed by this shit anymore. Uh, but but genuinely, this this film was nominated for three Oscars and won one. What they got a special achievement for visual direction. Mm, okay. It was also nominated for art direction and cinematography. Uh, I mean, God bless him. The other films, the big winner, I think, this in that year of the Oscars was All the President's Men. Very similar film to Logan's Run. I mean, that this came out the same year uh, as... Mm-hmm. All the president's men is just an embarrassment to everybody. It's mad. I'm it's also mad. after uh, looking down th- just at the casting section on the Wikipedia uh, page. I did not know this, but um, apparently, um, True Grit had a sequel called Rooster Cogburn. Who knew? Yeah, yeah, C- C- Rooster, Rooster Cogburn. The, uh, yeah, Richard Jordan was in that. Anyway, let's get and going with, Jordan, with this. Plays with, Francis. with this yeah, piece indeed. of shit of a film. <laughs> So Logan and Francis are notified that there's a runner outside the hall. They give chase before hilariously missing him repeatedly with their high-tech weapons before the runner takes a dive off of a balcony. <laughs> and then, yeah, so again, it's just kind of, there's a lot of shit going on. The next scene is one, oh, the next scene is one of my favorites. Which is that? So oh, <laughs> Logan, Logan, <laughs> Logan has a transporter in his room where he can summon people like some kind of real-time futuristic Tinder. Well, it is Tinder. Yeah, he's got Tinder. Yeah, it's got like, they've got, they've got this tinder transporter thing so the first person he beams into his room is a topless man oh yeah <laughs> and and logan just shakes his head like ah, not today uh yeah but there is and no then, homophobia in this movie no 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 come on please no and then so he then transports in jenny agater aka jessica six in a ridiculously revealing dress I don't know about you, but I and I, I, I really laughed out loud during this scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like uh, for two things. Well, first of all, I gave the film credibility, where he says, uh, "Do you prefer women?" With uh, yeah, with yeah, just asking does. honestly, he's, he's, very, he's fine with it if he's, if she he's does. Very woke. And then um, 
And then, yeah, he says, let's have sex. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, I, I, think, I think we need to hear that in, its, in all its glory. What's your name? Jessica. Well, sad or not, you're beautiful. Let's have sex. No. Then why are you wasting my time, hmm? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, if, it, if it's worked for you, Andy, why wouldn't it work for Basil Exposition? <laughs> I mean, this is the lobster, isn't it? What do you mean in terms of premise? Like, oh yeah, I guess yeah, right. But instead of being, uh, instead of being turned into sh- animals of their choice, they're just being yeah, you know, yeah, and instead of being uh, killed off, and like instead of um, you know being shit like this, the lobster's quite good and quite funny. I still sometimes, yeah. I still sometimes laugh at that, <laughs> that line of Colin Farrell's. Where he says, uh, no, I was masturbating behind those trees over there. I need to re. I mean, there's a million things to watch uh, before I get back to that, but I will rewatch that. At some uh, quite some funny, that, quality comedy that, lines. that line. Anyway, uh, continue. So then, so Jessica shoots him down, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but luckily, Fran- luckily Francis <laughs> brought home a couple of hussies. <laughs> And the Sandman go to town. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, it's good to be a Sandman. It pays to be a Sandman in this town. Yeah. Uh, so next we next we see Logan at work. He has to go in to do a little interview with the big supercomputer. When he hands in an, an Egyptian Ankh symbol that he pulled off the runner that he killed the day before, the computer tasks him with a special mission to find out what happened to the 1,056 unaccounted for runners and to find out the place known as Sanctuary, which is presumed to be outside the walls of the domed city. Mm. So Logan, Logan reaches out to Jessica for help as she has friends with the, I, don't, I want to say the Resistance. Something I have no like idea what to call the people like that, so we'll call them the Resistance. While her Resistance friends plot Logan's murder, she joins Logan on a job in the rough, borstal mm. neighborhood of town, Cathedral. A cathedral, they run into some lost boys who Cubs. look about as threatening. <laughs> yeah, oh, they're, they're, they're the lost boys. They look about as threatening as a fame-inspired dance troupe. I mean, yeah, yeah, they look like they're going to, you know, that, that episode of uh, South Park. They can have a dance Where you get served. and then, uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not. They look like they're doing some top serving. It is not scary in the least. No, no. And then so after dealing with them, Logan and Jessica head over to a plastic surgeon's office so that Logan can get a new face. Mm-hmm. The doctor is played by the director's son, and his assistant is Farrah Fawcett. Is it? Mm, oh, yeah. yeah. Farrah, Farrah, Farrah Fawcett Majors, she's uh, credited as. Uh, Hot Lips Hannigan, right? Mm. That's who Farrah Fawcett played, right? For, uh, Hot Lips Hannigan, I believe. I can't write. Oh, uh, no, she's so in. I just she's, made that noise. I just went, hmm, because I didn't know. She's in Charlie's Angels. Ah, okay, yeah. She's dead, I seem to recall. She died. Oh, my God, she died in 2009. Poor old lady. Yep. Uh, so, uh, the doctor, where are we? Oh, yeah, the doctor tries to kill Logan, but, but Logan kills him back twice as hard. Yeah, the, the, okay, and actually, this, like, of all the sort of set designs, this is a thing that sci-fi films did back in the day where there would just be no wall, just blackness. 
<laughs> and it just looks fucking retarded. It does not like it, it has not aged well at all. Much like the word retarded that I just said. Well, uh, that's fine. It's a, there was a different time. Yeah, a few seconds ago when you said that. Indeed. Yeah. So, like, I mean, what's occurring here is no matter. I mean, no matter what the idea is, I mean, okay, well, first of all, could Christopher Nolan make this work, do you think, this this kind of idea? Oh, well, but the, 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 this film was supposed to, there's been so many moves to remake it. I mean, I remember a time back in the early 2000s when Brian Singer was supposedly going to remake this. Oh, yeah, he'd be... But featuring a lot of young boys. A, little, a lot of 15-year-old boys, yeah. Uh, yeah. Guys, come over to my house and we're going to remake Logan's <laughs> Run in the pool. Um, but there's there's been a t- there was a, there was a, oh yeah Alex Garland supposedly wrote a screenplay as ooh, well. Oh, I'd be a, into that for a remake. Yeah, I think that would be good. But I just don't know how interesting it is. Well, here's the thing: general. no matter how you, it's difficult to tell how interesting it would be or, or would not be uh, watching yeah, because this. This film is shy. Well, yeah, because yeah. like it just it, it it has kind of the PlayStation One effect on you. It's like you might have like <laughs> it, do you know what I mean? It's like no matter how good the idea or the game is, you just can't get past the shit graphics and the the. It is it's, it is heavily trapped in the 1970s, yeah. unfortunately. Exactly. So anyway. Francis is after Logan at this point after suspecting him of running <coughs> he chases Logan and he chases Logan and Jessica through some kind of studio again back to the studio 54 Oh yeah the anti gravity MDMA some sequence kind of studio 54 style nightclub yeah. with just naked bodies everywhere and everyone's some moving kind of in hellscape everyone's moving in slow motion and yeah like you just said hellscape it looks like the worst place that's ever been imagined yeah well, that's what will happen if you if you live. Uh, it reminded me of uh, the uh, you know the the sex scene from Demolition Man. I haven't watched that in such a long time. I know a lot of people have been rewatching it recently, but uh, have they? I didn't. I have not. Yeah, it was I? I don't remember the reason why. Is it because is it because the future is twenty twenty or something? Oh, I definitely oh. heard people talking about having watched. I it. have far too good memories of that film to ever watch it again. Cause it, I don't, I, my memory is of like films from that period. And I must have watched it back in the nineties. I do not recall. I've seen that film a lot and I bet it's shite. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, okay. Go on anyway. So when they get through to the other side of the studio 54 hellscape, they eventually reach the resistance's headquarters. This scene has a few strange moments, right? Logan, Logan, right. So Logan signals the Sandman. Mm-hmm. For some reason, right? It seems to me that he gets the Sandman to come. So he's at this point, he's kind yeah, of half yeah, yeah. into his thing, right? It's just, but it's so poorly. It's explained so poorly. Mm. And then, that, like, he's whether he's actually running or not. I mean, like, surely by this point, he's kind of on board with the running thing. Well, he he wants he still wants to you know have sex with Jenny Agutter. Fair play. Oh, that's true. That's like his defining thing because she's turned him down, and he's like. Yeah, yeah. Don't, waste, don't waste my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This is this is all just a big neg. Yeah. So then, uh, Farrah Fawcett accuses him and Jessica of murdering the doctor, <laughs> but then Jessica kind of gaslights her into recanting her statement. Uh, yeah, yeah. What is the what is that? All about? I have no idea. It's a terribly directed piece of uh, film. So bad. It's very like Michael Anderson. Basically, what, what happens doing? is she Jedi mind tricks her, but. Yeah, I think the only thing is that she's blonde, maybe or something, because she's like, "No, that's that's not mm. what happened. This other thing happened." And Farrah Fawcett goes, "You know, now yeah. that you mention it, neither, yeah. that thing, yeah, that's what happened." 
Yes. Now that you mention it, everything I said so far was absolute, just just lies, just complete falsehoods. It was bullshit. I love so you. So then after, so after the Sam men burst in and kill the resistance, Logan and Jessica escape through a series of tunnels before reaching a frozen chamber. This is uh, now this, so this weird. Is probably, Why is this, this is here? Probably, this is probably my favorite scene of the film. Oh, sorry. And not just not just because Jenny Agater in your parlance gets the gets the lads out. She does get the lads out. Um, yeah, for no reason. Because it, it, he's, he, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Michael Michael like, York says we we need to we need to take these clothes off. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it, they just <laughs> then about two minutes later they've put them back on. Yeah, yeah. He literally just said, like he uses the line, "Let's get you out of those wet clothes," uh, and they yeah. they put on some furs, and then yeah. it's fucking C three PO's. We leave in dad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I I said for this they encounter a robot called Box. Box's black actor Roscoe Lee Brown wearing what can only be described as one of the worst robot costumes committed to film. You can see his face under the mask. Yeah, it's really odd. Uh, where do I know Roscoe Lee Brown from? I don't. I didn't particularly know him from stuff, but he's been in. He was in a lot of TV shows, and uh, um, I know the name. He was in some stuff. He was. He was also a voice actor. Because yeah, it was whatever. him and James Earl Jones. Him and James Earl Jones were definitely like two of the sort of major black voice actors of the of the era. Fair enough. All right. Um, but here's a, I've got a nice little bit of box for you. Here's some box. I'm ready, and you're ready. It's my job to freeze you. <laughs> it's my job <laughs> to freeze you. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just thinking of like this Limmy sketch that he used to he does where he's like doing this kind of old judge who's going, I'm going to send you to prison for life. It's a hundred it's the same it's exactly the same cadence. Check out check out Limmy. I've no idea what the sketch is called. I, it's I, just him doing his like I absolutely will. Yeah. I haven't I haven't much watched much Limmy actually. Yeah, he's a, he's one of the greats. So anyway, uh, Box reveals that all the runners who came into the cave were frozen to then be turned into food. So Logan and Jessica blow him up and escape out into the outside world. Finally, they've made it outside the dome. Yeah, they, they, that's right. And, and uh, immediate, oh, very soon, Jessica says, I mm-hmm. hate outside. Like a little. This place is awful. Let's go home. Yeah, they don't like it. Um, it turns out that so then the city of the film is very near Washington D.C. Of course. Well, in a, just before that, in a scene reminiscent of Walkabout, the pair have a nice swim in a watering hole. Oh yes, and they're in which the- yeah, so Jenny Jenny Agater is being cast solely because she has watering hole swimming experience. Yeah, she'll swim with the lads out in the nude. Yeah, exactly. Get her get her bits out. We don't see any bit of Michael York's Willie, which is disappointing, but sure. Mm, yeah, there was no young boys, no nude young boys either in either film. No, not shame, uh, not enough cocks. Uh, so as you mentioned, they come up. They you can, we find out that they're basically next to Washington D.C. because they come upon the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, both looking in pretty good condition. 
than inside the United States uh, Senate. If I might just say, because I looked up, okay, so Planet of the Apes came out before this. They basically kind of yeah. steal a reveal from Planet of the Ra- yes. Ra- Apes here, just going to say. <laughs> Planet of the Apes is a very different film. Did I just say that? Anyway, uh, yeah, they kind of steal a reveal from that. Anyway, you go on. Yeah, so, yeah, I, but there's nothing to, There's nothing in this film that that suggests that it does that it wasn't it on Earth or anything. No, I mean mm. it's not so much of a reveal. No, fair enough. Fair enough. We know that it's our it's our world. It's just the future. Fair enough. It just so happens that they're near DC. Mm. So in they go into the United States Senate. They find Peter Ustinov, whose character is the imaginatively named old man. Um, one thing I have, like I did not enjoy watching this movie. But I d- enjoyed for a few minutes the fact that they had opted not to make the old man like a Yoda type guy and instead just make him a crazy old bum. I enjoyed he's senile. He's just, he's yeah, just yeah, a senile yeah. cat man. I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. And yeah, he also, he tells us the plot of uh, cats and uh, T.S. Eliot's cat poems. He does. Which is, That's so funny. He's fully he's into all that kind of jellical cat and all this stuff. It's bananas, yeah, because he starts saying every cat has three names and I'm there going, I've heard this somewhere yeah. before. And, then, <laughs> and yeah. then he says the word jellical and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, okay. And then McCavity. And, yep. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, have you, I, I, have, I have not watched uh, the cats or anything to do with it i'm just no, i'm aware of no, how it works no, me too exactly same i i haven't watched the the film but i'm sure at some point i recall fire that in. more than once reading the wikipedia article for uh cats and how it works and scrolling down through it with all the befuddlement of <laughs> reading reading an article about charles manson or something and just going what what yeah. This? Now that you mention it, I'm I'm definitely going to recommend. I'm going to put, put cats is definitely going up at some point on the on the top. And I will fucking I will bri- <laughs> I will bribe the coin that week. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's. Get, so then mm. Francis Francis turns up. Now he's in DC. He's followed them. Uh, Logan kills Francis after a bit of a pathetic struggle. Then the old man explains what life used to be like in the olden days. Making them realize that what they really need in their lives is monogamy. And cats. And cats. They take the... So then the film basically ends up... They take the old man back to the dome to prove that life doesn't need to end at 30, even <laughs> though it really does. He doesn't, even know, he doesn't even know where <laughs> so or where what he is. <laughs> That that whole kind of that whole montage of where they travel is just it cuts to him going, "Are we there yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are we there yet? Where are we now? Is it far? It's it's just awful." Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. So the the there was a weird moment for me because when they get to the fountain that marks the entrance to the dome, I realized that I'd been there. Huh. Yeah. Because that I've didn't look like special, that place. That didn't look like special effects. Where is that? No, no, it's a hundred percent. It's in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. The movie was shot and, in Texas. Uh, yeah, which I and when I saw that, I remembered that when I was in Fort Worth, I was this was in two thousand and one. It was I was I was I was at flight school in summer two thousand and one. I was attending flight school. Um, I wasn't really, but I was in <laughs> I was in the U.S. I was traveling the U.S. in the summer of two thousand and one. Okay. And uh, um, I was staying at my friend's great aunt and uncle's house, and we went into. There was in in Texas at the. I was in Texas at mm. the time, and uh, yeah, I remember going to Fort Worth, and um, 
seeing this fountain and I remember him saying to me and now I remembered I was like oh yeah he said it was like this is where they filmed Logan's Run and he said he was like Logan's Run is a terrible film but they were like <laughs> full on Christians they were you know they were like hardcore Christians so I just uh, wondered if it was like an anti-Christian thing oh it turns out they just By had taste yeah he's just like no that was it was a piece of <laughs> yeah, <shit>. it's awful <laughs> I should have listened I should have listened Indeed. So anyway, they go into the dome. They yell at the people that Carousel is a sham. Logan gets interrupted. Sorry, Logan gets taken away and interrogated by the computer and causes it to to short circuit. Yeah, right. Whatever. It's a shit film. Do you get the logic of how he makes the machine go kapow? Because I don't. No, but I do have... Here's a little audio clip of this scene as well. State what you found. All... Frozen. The input does not program, Logan 5. You may not resist. (laughs) (laughs) And at the same time as he's saying all this shit, his face is on like some kind of rainbow color the monitors and with like yeah. kind of with the spectrum on his face and he's just spinning around saying these different lines yeah yeah it's like they're reading his his mind or something yeah because because he couldn't because the, the because the computer is logical and doesn't can't understand these answers mm. so therefore it just goes does not compute and blows up apparently all of this all of this from happened. all of this from the screenwriter who co-wrote straw dogs Damn. Yeah. Wow. Well, he moved on to rapes. Wait, Straw Dogs was before this, wasn't it? Uh, yes. Yep. So anyway, after uh, the short circuiting, they do a couple of judo throws on the Sam Man, and everyone heads out of the dome to go touch the old man's leathery face before booking a couple's retreat and visiting a farmer's market with their new significant others, planning weddings, hosting baby showers and the like, and just enjoying couples' life because monogamy has saved them. Yay! Hooray, they've learned that this living this empty, hedonistic lifestyle was going to lead to the destruction of the earth, and what they really needed to do was to get married. Nice. Settle down. Get old. That's the plan. Have families, monogamy, yes, right. So the good news is we never have to watch this again. The bad news is we have, in fact, watched it. Yeah, the only thing that I thought was interesting, there was a quote in the Wikipedia thing and a couple of things I read was that the author, Bonnie Noonan, said believes that the idea of returning to the concept of beloved wife is a sign that in the that in the story, women's liberation and not technology is at the root of the dystopia. Women's liberation is at the root of this dystopia. Yeah. Run that by me and again. It's not. It's not. So it's not technology that's responsible for this. It's the so the basically because what the because the ultimate like what they're what the what the reveal is at the end or of like of how they're going to save society is like. You know, they decide to get married. They want to be husband and wife, mm. Logan and Jessica. So they're, they've reverted because everyone else is living till the age of 30, just fucking around yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. They're not, the babies are made by the, the system. No one has, no one like gets pregnant naturally or has babies. So basically they're just, it's the break that it's almost like a, 
conservative film suggesting that like it the we need to maintain the family we want to maintain like family roles so this this person uh this author was saying that um yeah that it's women like you know like women's lib the like the freedom of of women to 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 be outside of that family role is like what's eventually led to the breakdown of society to people just like kind of like fucking around and not having kids etc yeah I yeah I can see that, but that, that is a way more interesting idea than the shit film that we're presented with. Yeah, it's just it's fucking terrible. Um, and like it, I yeah I uh, when when I was done watching this, I watched it uh, during the middle of last week. Um, I immediately like I despite the fact that it risked me being late getting back to work. Uh, which I wasn't, thank God, I immediately had to just pipe on uh, the West Wing and just wash out my fucking <laughs> eyes. I'm not joking. I was just it, like, um, I'm a big West Wing fan. Shout out to, for the West Wing. God, this was, uh, I like, because here's the thing is like, I used to the odd time get a little bit of a, bo- uh, like back when I used to do a little bit of uh, film criticism, magazines and so forth. I You'd enjoy, you'd just randomly, like, you know, see three films a week. And randomly, a lot of the time, you know, you'd end up seeing some fucking garbage. And it's kind of fun, you know, because you could just be there in a screening going garbage. But like these days, yeah. I'm kind of so discerned and I know what I'm getting into so often that I... You value your time. I rarely end up watching something quite this bad. Yeah. Um, or I certainly don't watch beyond fucking 20 minutes or so, you know what I mean? Anyway. Yeah, of course. So yeah, I would I would have given up if I didn't have the, the mm-hmm. obligation uh, yeah, which is what this podcast is all about. So, forcing me. Yeah, sorry to about that. Night. Sorry about that. So I have um, brought to the table the worst film that we've watched thus far, um, and the second worst. It could uh, arguably be said. Well, Chronicles of Riddick. Yes. But then we also got to. I would never have watched Riddick, and I did enjoy about an hour of that. Yes, indeed. Plus, now I'm I, I'm fully versed in the whole Riddick verse to go back to the overuse of verse it's a it's, uh, it's been a shoddy days. it's been a shoddy uh, week so if you can include as a soundbite uh, at the start of it um you probably don't need to to watch logan's run you can just listen to us make yeah. make, make fun of it if you like don't you've no need to watch it think of, remember when we watched wages of fear and sorcerer in the same week yeah oh, my God. it was a good week something to go back to that man that would be good uh, well ho- all right then do hopefully you next a, week will be coin? good again uh, no i do not i rely on you for the coins okay one second because I need to go and fish one out. Okay. So I guess we should mention the films that we have selected, first of all. So let me say that I chose the 2003 film Windy City Heat, which is a kind of mockumentary um, directed by Bob Bobcat Gold, Goldthwaite. The- <laughs> guy from the 1980s and also uh film director well, uh, it, w- of some note is he not only uh, in the police academy movies yeah but no he also that was what he did on stage as well as a stand-up oh i didn't know that so this film is a kind of mockumentary of a group of friends who trick one of their other friends into thinking that he is the star of a big a big budget hollywood film um, which is supposedly all real, but uh, I've been meaning to watch it for forever, but I just haven't got around to it. Uh, and this. this is a tough one because, yeah, the the one I, like I have 
been meaning to watch Windy City Heat myself for a long time, but I've also been meaning uh, to watch the own film, uh, the film that I'm bringing um, for the longest time. I am putting forward uh, Andres Vashta, let's say. Uh, I think it's I think it's Vida. I think it's And Andre Vida. Andre Vida's uh, Andre Vida's 1958. Um, film Ashes and Diamonds, which is set uh, amongst the um, sort of Polish resistance, I believe, in World War II. Um, and it just, it, like, whenever I've seen clips of it throughout, like, I don't know, you might, I might have seen clips of it in um, Mark Cousins' series, The Odyssey of Film. I've heard Francis Ford Coppola talking about it, raving on about it. It just looks like a really, really fucking cool movie, an interesting angle on nice. the World War Two, and, you know, World War Two from a Polish perspective in 1958. You know what I mean? That's... Do, do you know what? This this week I've watched Logan's Run, Snowpiercer. I've been playing uh, Death Stranding on the PS4. <laughs> like it's just the the world is ending so i decided to choose like a nice like a fun film and then you chose uh, a polish second world war film. <laughs> okay yeah right. i'm gonna i'm not allowing you any levity all right so what are my options you're uh kind of lady or 50 or lady lady or 50 all right give me 50 oh wait that was terrible I'll go it is lady what the fuck <laughs> ah fucking bollocks all right i want to, i wanted to watch uh the ashes and diamonds i'll uh, bring it back to i'll it. bring well that's nice at least we're going to a fun place i'll bring it back all right so my response film to uh windy city heat which i have been wanting meaning to watch uh, for years myself is Guy Madden's kind of a documentary fantasy about his home city of Winnipeg. It's called My Winnipeg. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. No. Uh, okay, yeah, nice. he basically yeah uh, makes a documentary about his childhood town with, like through the lens of, let's say, childhood fantasy. Um, Roger Ebert used to fucking wax on about this movie the whole time. I never quite got around to it, but this week I fucking will. Okay, quality. All right. Nice. Cool beans. So um, have we uh, anything else to say before winding up? I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, uh, let's have sex. What's your name? Jessica. Well, sad or not, you're beautiful. Let's have sex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very, very good. Okay, 